Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hi, yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Jen Rulon and Megan Merchant. Uh, and Megan, did I, is it still Megan Merchant? Yes, it is. Okay, I wanted to make sure, so I didn't want to make any assumptions there. Excellent. So it's, it's Jen and Megan, and if you're wondering, hey, who's Jen and Megan, you go to our website, everydaymindfulnessshow.com, and you can learn all about them. You can also get downloads that several people have given from the cast to, on mindfulness and free resources that are there also. This week, we're talking about distractions and that idea of sort of chasing down that rabbit hole. And it made me realize, you know, that's a term we use a lot. Like, you know, I catch myself chasing down the rabbit hole. And for me, sometimes that means I'm creating stories that create drama that I don't need to create. It's not based on the factual what happened in the moment, but it's what I'm creating from that. And so it made me think about what where did this quote come from, down the rabbit hole? Well, it turns out, many of you may know, I didn't know it. It comes from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland and they reference it too. And so people say what that's in a reference to specifically is to enter a period of chaos or confusion. Now, they also said it could be taking a hallucinogenic, as some suspect Karen's <laughs> no Carol's novel was really about, like this drug trip. This is Wikipedia and other sites that say this. We're not going down that rabbit hole, uh, no pun intended there. We're going to focus on the idea of entering a period of chaos or confusion and in this case, we're going to talk about how we're the ones who create that, like we create that system and what a distraction that can become to mindfulness, to our lives, to a place of trust and peace and serenity. So we're going to start this week with Megan. And Megan, what do you find is the impact of chasing down those rabbit holes in life? Right. Thank you. So there's a lot there. And I love that you use chaos and confusion because that is literally what it creates when you are in completely inside of your head, just running with those thoughts or at the tail end trying to chase them. A lot of times we do that when we're trying to wrestle with a big decision. And instead of being able to make that uh, information clear and the present information clear, in front of us, we're stuck in these stories that we're creating around them and it's confusing. And a lot of times we do not always make the best decisions when we are tapped into our thoughts and only our thoughts. It happens that when we're stuck inside of our head, when we're not being present and mindful, 
we're not connecting with our outside world. We're not connecting with that sensory experience with other people. And we're losing a lot of important information. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And what's interesting is not only are we losing information, but we're making up so much information that, that the brain is running like 100 miles an hour because of the fake drama that, yes. that's being created right. and the information that we're using to fill in these gaps in the story we're creating. And what's interesting is, you know, you brought up that where we're trying to fill in the gaps. I almost think we create more gaps Mm -hmm. Uh, along that process that creates the stress at a whole nother level. Absolutely. I don't know, John, if you can speak to this at all, but actually what happens in your body, because a lot of times you're reliving those stressful or tense moments and you have that flight or fight response Mm -hmm. and your metabolism slows down, your immune system slows down. You actually, your cells begin to age faster. I don't know if, if Mike or, or John, if you know more about this, I'm not that into the science of it, but I do think it's important to talk about. I mean, yeah, any type of stress is going to cause, you know, higher cortisol levels, which then will put on the weight and all that stuff. I mean, you could go really mm-hmm. scientific and look at the the scientists, the science aspects of it. To me, chasing, you know, chasing, going down the rabbit hole is just causing more stress in your life. And And what I've always said to myself, like, I'll even say, oh, I'm making up a story again. And and when I tell myself that, it's very, it, it sort of flips a switch and, and I have to get out of that rabbit hole. I have to climb mm. back out. <laughs> that's really, that's awesome. It's like a lifeline you have there with that little saying. Yeah. Well, a lot of times I find that I did it particularly earlier in my career when you don't know what's about to happen. So you want to bring some kind of closure to your thinking so you close in these gaps uh, or with story, which then creates more story, ironically, which is a much higher level stress. So I knew Megan back when I was a coach, and you can get drama when you're a coach. Parents can be trying to get your attention. Athletes can be trying to get your attention. Or there could be somebody, you know, who doesn't like you talking and you know this or parent doesn't like you. And man, can your brain run? They don't like this. They don't like that. And now they're doing this. Now they're doing that. And like one tenth might be factually true. But the other 90% is what's driving your stress levels. Like you said, your cortisone. And and you don't even notice what it's doing to your body because you're caught in it. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you're ter- determined to solve and instead of solving by saying, what story am I telling myself? You try to come up with a solution to the story and, mm-hmm. and <laughs> which creates more story. So I love that idea of when you catch yourself doing that, that idea of what's the truth here, you know, what story am I telling and what actually happened versus what I'm creating out of it. And I learned that about three and a half years ago at a program, which is, all right, what actually happened versus what's the story you're creating out of this? Because that's what creates the rabbit hole for us to jump down, the story we create versus the fact of what actually happened. I mean, a lot of people in everyday life, just even with their friends and with their spouses or partners, like they, people, I've seen it, I'm sure I've done it, like a if I text somebody, I mean, this sounds like a, such a silly thing, but if I text somebody and I don't hear back from them or it's like, Oh, what are they doing? You know, did, are they mad at me? Where, where did, (laughs) you know, Hey, they might be working. They might be working out. Like, it's just, you sit there and you start making up this junk in your head 
for no reason at all. In reality, they are, you know, in a massage and they can't get to their phone or something like that. You know, it's, it's so funny how our minds just go into this sense of uncomfortableness at times. And I sit there and wonder, why do we do that? Like, that's a question for everybody. It's like, why do we do that? Because we're human? I don't know. Well, I'd be curious. I'd be curious if it's worse in the last 30 years than it was prior. I, I think creating drama is definitely part of human nature to create drama. No doubt. Right. Sure. That we've seen stories of that throughout the history of, of humankind. But this instant gratification concept <sighs> that that texting has started, right? That it ignited that you didn't you brought up a great example there that I they didn't text right back. I think it's bleeding into everything we're doing, and therefore we yeah. do create this distraction of story and drama when we do not get instantaneous feedback exactly the way we perceived it to occur in our mind in the story we created before we ever even set the text in the first place. <laughs> that 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 concept. Absolutely. We're all guilty of that. We're all so guilty of that, too. Um, I read Very somewhere much. that that uh, an average person has about 60,000 thoughts per day. And so I wonder if that has increased based on reading text messages and all of the looking at all the websites and reading all of your news online and just the rapid onslaught of information that we're faced with. Yeah. And, and because we get so much information, there's almost more of a need to control the situation. Mm-hmm. Control the narrative. Yes. Yeah. Right. So there's got to be some information out there for me to control this narrative because there's so much information out there. Once again, another distraction. Now I'm creating a story in my head. So now I start searching online for what could be possible solutions. Right. Or how about the famous one? Something's happening to me medically and we've all done it. Just about everyone yes. I know has done it. And what do you do? You search <laughs> online and oh my gosh, I have the worst medical situation ever happening to mankind <laughs> because I have three of the five symptoms um, yes. and, and they're gone 24 hours later. It had nothing yeah. to do with that at all, but we have and such- it may cause death. Yes. <laughs> right. Are you guys familiar with the nocebo effect? No, I haven't heard that no. one before. This uh -oh. is really interesting, and it's one of the tricks that the mind plays. So you've heard of the placebo effect, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you can think in positive terminology, but it's the exact opposite with the nocebo effect. So if the doctor reads this list of possible side effects to you upon giving you a new medication, there's an increased likelihood that you will experience them to some degree. Your mind will actually feed that narrative that the doctor is giving you. It's a hungry narrative. I mean, we have those, you know, it's a story that he's giving you and your mind feeds it. And it's called the nocebo effect. It's a really hmm. mind boggling, not to, you know, no pun intended here, little thing. It makes sense because in the speaking world, you know, they teach you that if you seed the audience, now what they mean by seeding that is imagine a, a farmer planting seeds in the field for something to grow. And so if you see the audience with ideas and you do it in a very logical way that makes sense, that by the end of your presentation, those all come to fruition. Like they, that makes sense in everybody's mind if you seed correctly versus if you just don't seed correctly, you get weeds, everything else interfering, and you don't get a smooth path of thought. So it, it doesn't surprise me that that's true. I mean, it makes complete sense. We started earlier by saying, hey, I ask myself, what's the story I'm telling myself? What are things that you do or you have found in your life? Are there either triggers that, that tell you, whoa, 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 what am I doing? 
or something you do before even gets there to say, okay, let's not even go there. You know, I used to work at uh, Lululemon Athletica. They informed me about the whole stories because I never heard of that. And I thought that was really intriguing. But another thing is that when I figured out triggers that caused me to go below the line. And, and this is also what I learned from, I think it's I Goal You. It's a company. And so what I figured out what triggered was that, you know, I felt stupid or I felt insecure or I wasn't confident. So when those, I realized when those three things are triggered in my brain or in my body, when I go below the line is when I start making up crap in my head. Mm. I, I really love that, the idea about triggers. For me, those triggers are having to come to the realization of what my expectations of this situation are and realizing those because if what's happening in front of me is not meeting those expectations, that's when I start to spiral down the rabbit hole and feed the, you know, the crazy narratives that are strolling around in my brain. But for me, it's checking in with my expectations. That's great. I, you know, for me, I used to think, and I've had a change in this over the years. I used to think there were signs like if I think I'm being disrespected in some mm, value mm. or I'm not being valued, then the rabbit hole goes of how did that happen or why do they do this? And, you know, I mm -hmm. chase down that. But what I found recently was it wasn't that, that that was like the secondary trigger. What it was about a, was having a lack of trust that things work out in life. Because mm, if, yes. if you have this trust in your own wisdom, in your own intuition, and this just recently happened with one of our cast members who, who did this, re, this analysis for me and sent it to me. I'm like, nobody's ever put it that way. And that it was that trust was key for me to trust in myself, trust in the energy of the universe, because it's the unknown that drives these stories. Mm -hmm. It absolutely drives them. So what if I could just trust in the unknown? Because mm. I trust people, because I trust the energy that's out there because I trust my own decision-making and that allows this comfort zone of, I don't have to know the answer, which means I don't have to make one up. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's a learned talent. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's the key to these discussions is we don't ever lose this. You know, people like to think, Oh, no. you got it figured out. Now you don't create drama. No, I just recognize the drama <laughs> sometimes too late, but at least I recognize it. And sometimes I catch it during way more than I did before, but these are all part of human nature. So it's not that we're losing them. It's that, are we letting them have less control of our life? Are we recognizing them when they're occurring so we can, we can shift and adjust? That's really the key. Mm -hmm. And I love that you just said recognize. Are you guys familiar with the RAIN technique? I've had the great fortune of teaching a few meditation and mindfulness classes. And one of the things that really resonates with my students, and they're usually between about 18 and 24 years old, is the RAIN technique. So what is the RAIN technique? Oh, so it begins with recognize. And when you said that, it just kind of appeared in my mind. So it's, it stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and non-identification. If you're literally going down this rabbit hole and you have this chaos and confusion, the first step is to recognize what's going on, you know, give it a name. And instead of saying like, I am angry or I am sad, I am confused, you use I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling this, or I'm experiencing mm -hmm. this. And then you kind of allow that to happen. Because a lot of times we try to repress it or we shy away from dealing with it head on because it's easier, right? But we, the A is for allow, so we allow for this to take place in a very kind of kind way with ourselves. 
And then we investigate this, you know, where, why do I feel this way? How is this feel in my body? Am I holding, you know, tension in certain areas? What, what is really going on right here and right now? And then after those three steps, the N stands for non-identification. And so you kind of tune your attention at this point to the realization that, you know, I'm not my mind. I am not my emotions. I am the awareness that is residing underneath these. And I think that helps a lot to kind of break through that thought chatter. And it helps us to kind of reconnect to what's present and what's real, what the truth is, like you were saying. I love it. And it's very Buddhist. Right? It because, is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's a lot of Buddhism right there because the detachment at the end of the non-identification and to recognize, uh, you know, to both be living our lives, but also be able to be observers of our lives at the same time, both the participant and the observer is powerful. So, yeah, when you were saying that, I'm like, oh, there's, this just really resonates with a lot of Buddhism and some would probably say Taoism also. But great. I love that. It's such a simple thing. So for anybody listening right now, we'll make sure that's in the show notes. So you can find that yeah. on the website. We'll make sure that that rain is there so you can see that and really take a look at that. And and maybe we'll find out from Megan afterwards uh, if there's some resources that teach that. Uh, I mean, you made it so simple. I don't know that anybody needs it. But <laughs> but if there is if there is a desire for that, we'll keep an eye out on that and put those in the show notes. Where So you said 18 to 24-year-olds there is what you did that with, Megan, as far as teaching Correct. it. Do you notice that your students are more open at that age or less open to these conversations about things like stress, distractions? You know, it's like when you talk to people about self-help books and you can be talking with college students and you know, I work with college students all over the world and students will be like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, you know. But a 40-year-old will be like, what's the next book? Like, where's, where is it? Exactly. There's a very different mindset there. What do you see? This age group is so hungry for knowledge and wisdom because they have been given and they've grown up in a world where information is just abundant. And they can have any, they can find anything they want at any time about any topic or any subject. But they don't have that knowledge or that wisdom. And they're hungry for that. And they're open to these conversations. And they are very introspective and very inquisitive. The last mm -hmm. class that I taught, I was blown away by the level of conversations that I was able to have with them, the depth that they were willing to go to. And they looked at the topics, especially with mindfulness and, and all of the, the stuff that we studied. They looked at everything from all perspectives, not just their own experience, which is, to, in my understanding, phenomenal. <laughs> well, I, I love it. And that's what I found too. Like if I just brought up the idea quickly in a conversation of self-help development, it wasn't specific enough to draw interest because there's so much going on in their lives with school and the stress of all of that and that, that it didn't draw. But if you went to a specific conversation that relates to their life, then I did see that seek, right? That seeker of, oh, where, what do you mean? Where do I learn about that? Where do I? And they want to just eat that up. And the nice thing is that for, for that generation, mindfulness isn't a bad word. For That's some true. generation still, this is still, ooh, what's this weird stuff going on? Uh, what's <laughs> this? Uh, you know, and that tends to lie a little bit in older generations versus younger generations going, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've heard people using that. And there's they've grown up hearing the word more often. Yeah, if you look at how much culture has changed, I mean, if you just look at, say, yoga, for instance, you can go take a yoga class at 15 different places down the street now, whereas before you had to, you know, maybe find an obscure text or 
maybe that golden DVD you're able to, or VHS you're able to find. So yeah, I mean, this information is far more available and present. And it's not so quote unquote new agey, which I think kind of scares people a little. Yeah, absolutely. And so the more that people are hearing these conversations, like, you know, joining today's show and listening in, the more we can have that impact generations down, which is awesome. And so far, we've really been talking about, hey, how do we avoid the rabbit hole? What about the distractions? How do we keep focus? So where's the flip conversation, which is, you know, the distractions, the negative, the focus is the positive. So how do we keep focus or be present in the moment? So those don't even have an, a window of opportunity or have less, much less of a window of opportunity to get in there. I think a lot of what we allow into our mind helps us develop our what we believe in, our system of beliefs and values. The more that you become familiar and intimate with your own personal beliefs and values, the easier it is to focus on what's important and to not allow those distractions to interfere. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So how do you bring those forward in a way that they're in front of you without feeling like work all the time, you know, because there are people who go, oh, here's how you stay focused every day you do blah, blah, blah. And it's so assignment oriented that they're not in the present moment at all. They're in an assignment work work plan sort of concept, but they're not present to what's happening. They're so focused on the next task. Mm, I, I think that's what I was going to say. I think to me, if you know what you're going after, it's pretty darn simple. Whether it's, you know, crossing a finish line to an Ironman or, you know, getting a part at, in a play or whatever. Like if you're focused on something that drives you, I don't think you're going to have those moments of going down that rabbit hole as much just because you know what you want in life. So I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the alter ego there. Yeah. Cause of course. there are those who are going to listen and say, but Jen, we've heard you on another episode and courage is not a question for you. It's just a way of life. So uh -huh. you are clearly driven by this idea of whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do. But what about others that aren't? What about that I'm trying to eat healthy, but man, the sugar keeps becoming a distraction. And that's not even the story. That's just an example, right? There's a story there. There's absolutely right. a story there. There's a story for sure. There's a story there. So how do you help that person? I think... I mean, with that, you the person has to ask, are they that committed to, to losing the weight or getting rid of the sugar or getting off the soda or whatever? If they're not that committed, then I, I, that's where I don't, I mean, like maybe, yeah. maybe you need to seek help. You know, I hate to say it, but maybe you do like, you know, ask yourself, why, why am I craving this? Or why am I, you know, go to a nutritionist. You know, if, if you're craving sugar, obviously there's something that you're not getting in your diet, or maybe you need to go to a doctor, you know, maybe some, maybe you're diabetic. I don't know. You know, it's just, that's mm -hmm. where I think where we cannot help out. Right. Are you much. saying that they need to own, there's a struggle and they need to say it out loud. In other words, yes. I have a struggle with this. If I'm really care about this, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And I always tell, I, I tell athletes, I tell people that I'm in San Antonio and it's an overweighted population. And I always talk to the people when I talk to them down here, I ask them, what is your why of living? Tell me your why. Mm -hmm. And the first, I hear so many people say, it's my grandchildren. It's my children. And it's like, okay, you want to be around for them as long as you can. So for you not being able to drop that weight, 
you may not be around for that reason anymore. So finding the why behind doing what you need to do, that's where I see, you know, the, the less stories come in because you, that's a purpose in life. I love you're, it. you're trying to make a, mm-hmm. you're trying to be legendary, you know, like you're trying to make a legacy in your life for those grandchildren's or kids. And Simon and Sinek think, is all about that. So his yes. book, Start With Why, is one of the yes. greatest books on the why. So, so to, the best TED Talks, too. Yeah, it's a great TED Talk. Absolutely. So many listening out there, that's S-I-N-E-K, Simon Sinek. You can look it up. It's fantastic. So I love that. So that's stay focused on the goal, but but not just the goal, but have a why for the goal. Like, why am I getting up to do this today? Because if you're just on the goal, that can get depressing if you're not getting there it quick sure enough. can. But the, and then you'll go into those stories. That's right. Of why you yeah. can't succeed or you can't do this. You yes. can't do that. Right. Exactly. So stay on the why versus the uh, the failure or success. It's really interesting because my husband and I have had this conversation so many times. I'm raising two young boys and my husband asked me, how did I do it as a, as a college athlete? How did I find that determination? Was it something that my mm-hmm. parents taught me? Was it something that I just naturally had? How did I learn to become that person and set goal, learn how to set goals and achieve them and just work completely at focused. Every intention was directed that way. All of my energy, all of my, you know, manifestation thought power was directed towards a goal and towards achieving that goal. And it's a, it's a really hard thing because it's something that we want to pass on to our children. We want to teach them how to live that way. And it's basically like, how do you teach grit? And there, yes. and there are a lot of there are a lot of beliefs, and there are a lot of techniques for doing that. But it's just such an interesting topic of conversation. How do we teach people to have grit? That's a great, great conversation, and and have grit and yet mindfulness, right? Because yes. so, so often people hear the word grit and they think cruel, right? Like almost it's harsh, and it's it doesn't sound loving and caring, but yet. Grit, I mean, fortitude's another word, right? Fortitude, grit, determination. Because those things, if you have you have those, you're going to be so focused that there's just less and less distractions. And, and that's really what, I mean, it's easy when we first started this conversation, let's talk about the distractions, how to avoid them. But now we're at a place of what if we don't have to, we just don't have to live with so much of that because we have this why, it's we so have this easier. focus. <laughs> yes, it's a positive ending oh, versus a how so to avoid the negative. Mm-hmm. This might be a totally different topic now, Mike, but have you read the book, Angela Duckworth's uh, Grit, The Power have, of Passion and Perseverance? I have only read excerpts. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Mike, I'll, t- I'll email you the book. Awesome. That's a, that's a, that'd be a great topic. We'll put that in the show notes. And you know what? Maybe that will become a future show Let's where we talk about grit and mindfulness. I love this. It's been a great conversation with the two of you. So thank you. What are books that you've already named a couple? I was going to, this is a normal question I ask, but are there any additional books that you think are really helpful with this exploration of freeing ourselves of the stories of the, of the, the games we, we get ourselves into chasing down the rabbit holes, being, being more present to the now versus what could be. Are there any specific books, movies, or resources? I don't know if it's so much about the rabbit hole, but it's finding it's the whole, the why, it, the alchemist. Mm. Great book. So Paulo Coelho. It's a great book. Yes. I mean, he talks about, find, you know, finding that passion and that, that drive in your life and, 
and going for it. And I think that goes to the why, which then allows you to go not go down the rabbit holes because you know what you're chasing. And Megan, you teach meditation. Are there certain, are there certain kinds of meditation that you find could be really helpful with this so that somebody is more present in the moment and does the rain analysis that you so brilliantly shared earlier? Yeah, because mm -hmm. if you do that meditation, a, a, certain forms of meditation would be very friendly to that. Others would not because you're not supposed to be thinking. But uh, mm -hmm. what kind of meditation <laughs> do you recommend so that somebody can do that? Like, all right, I'm going to take this time and analyze in my present. Am I making up story? You know, the rain analysis. What kind of meditation would you recommend for that? Just the basic sitting with your thoughts. So one of the things when you say meditation, a lot of people instantly think, okay, I have to clear my mind. The whole goal <laughs> is to create this inner silence. And then they, they try it like two or three times and they become really frustrated because they, you can't. You cannot stop these thoughts from coming. Uh, but learning to detach from them to become a watcher. So to just sit back and just connect into your breath and watch your thoughts. And it's that simple. I think that is the most powerful for me in my life and for the students that I've encountered. That's where we find that power right there. That's where we find that presence. And then it carries over to you know other situations in your life as well to just sit back and be able to watch. So instead of reacting to painful emotional stimuli, you're able to sit back you're able to connect to your breath and you're able to respond, which is entirely different than reacting. So it's, you know, it kind of blends into a very important way of living and moving through the world, not just sitting down with your eyes closed. And would you recommend that to start the day, to end the day? Are you, you know, there's different oh, yeah, forms like, question. <laughs> uh, is it a once a day thing or do you find, you know what, checking in, do a little check in at mm -hmm. three o'clock, do a little check-in at night to close that brain down of the stresses and the stories being created before bedtime. Is there, so is that, is there a rhythm to this? Right. So we're creatures of habit and whenever it fits <laughs> into your schedule so that you can maintain the practice and it is, it's a practice, but you, you need to find a time that you can, you can clearly sit down and say, okay, 90% of the time at, you know, five o'clock at night, I have at least 10 minutes that I can devote to this so that it becomes habit. So yeah, just whatever works the best with your schedule. And you know, and for some people, it depends on their work schedule. Sometimes it would be helpful to do this practice maybe before if you're going into a high stress situation and after. <laughs> but mm -hmm. so you come in with a clearer mind. You don't have those stories. You don't have that you're not in the rabbit hole when you're entering that situation. So I love it. Thank you, Jen and Megan, for joining me. Yes. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. And for everyone listening, you can check out our brilliant cast and get all the special freebie downloads and all that we have available at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. I think the two of you have already given us two upcoming shows. We got Grit and Mindfulness. And you inspired me at the end to think about, ooh, what if others are bringing that drama into our lives and, and how oh do we address gosh. that side of it? <laughs> so we'll do that on another one. We'll look forward to that. Sign Thank me up. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Until next time, may everyone out there enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks.
We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.